Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to another edition of Stuckhouse Radio's On Air Scare. I'd like to welcome you to the show tonight. 
uh, with me, your host, Diana Stack, and your host, Quentin Tiffany. Hey, Quentin, how are you tonight? I'm good. How are you? Well, good. I don't know if I'd say good. That really kind of doesn't go along with the topic of our show tonight, does it now? Not exactly, but... You know, it's funny, Titus is over here trying to let me know that there is someone at the back door, and uh, mm. it's someone you know. It's someone you know. Is it yes. Satan? No, no, it's our friend who's just returned from his wintertime trip to the Alps. He's Come on in here, and he's going to pop up here, and he's going to come up to the microphone. He's going to say hi. Oh, Titus, let him have his turn. Oh, is he back already? Here he comes. Oh, wait. Hold on. <laughs> it's Foamy. It's Foamy the raccoon. He, the official he informed me that he could not miss our topic tonight. Mm. I would guess not. So, what is our topic tonight? Hmm. Was it Satan? <laughs> <laughs> Folks, our topic tonight is evil and the presence of evil, evil in the human world. So tonight we are going to bring you down to the depths of the abyss and let you roll in that naughty, devilish mud called sin just for tonight, though. So cut those wings and tarnish that halo, because tonight we can say, let the sin begin. Oh, and we have our first caller. Speaking of sin, folks, and speaking of sinful, we have our favorite sinner of all time. Hi, Mom. (laughs) (laughs) And she's laughing at it. I'm from the radio. You say that about your mother. Come on, she's not Jewish. Quentin, come on, back me up here. I mean, your mother is not evil. It's just the evil spirit inside of her that is. She sounds like Barbara Streisand when she's on the radio, though. (laughs) She does. But yes, Marguerite Lucian is here with us tonight on the radio. Um, As you know, Marguerite has her own show for a while, and we're trying to get her to start it back up again. Marguerite's Kitchen Corner. And who knows, maybe one day she'll start it back up. But, yes, tonight's episode is on evil. What was that? Speaking of evil and Marguerite in the same sentence. So, Marguerite, did you Uh like my uh, recipe for my sinfully chocolate cake? Yes. That sounds wonderful, but you forgot to tell me how long to cook it. I would guess maybe 30 minutes. You know why? I have no set time. It's one of those ones that you have to keep checking, and I've never written down how long it actually takes. So, so when I wrote I, it, I was I like, darn, I don't know what to tell her. Well, how, how, how long have you cooked yours? I feel like it's like 25 minutes, but you just stick a toothpick in the center, and it's not done. I think it's 25 and 35, yeah. I figure between 25 yeah. and 35. Now, you said to cook it in uh, two-layer pans. What if you cooked it in a butt yes. pan? Would that be all right? I've never tried it. You have to give it a whirl. Tell me how it goes. I will. I will. I'll have to do that. We always do that, don't we, Diana? I know you get mad. It's a show about the devil. We're talking about chocolate cake. Devil food cake, yes. Nice. We're still talking about a related subject. 
Yes, yes. I am the topic <laughs> Nazi. I will keep you on. <laughs> or yes. get you up, one or the other. Oh, that's my mother. Oh. No. <laughs> yes, my uh. well, I didn't mean her specifically. <laughs> God, I sure. hope not. But anyways, yes, tonight's topic, tonight's title of the show is called The Devil Made Me Do It, The Sinister Side of Life. So let's begin our conversation with just some ideas. Now, if, if someone comes up to you and says, what do you think evil is? Uh, Quentin, what would you have to say? If someone said, Quentin, define evil, define the root of evil, define what it is. If we could personify that, what is evil, what would you say? Well, as most people know, I don't specifically believe in a devil or evil itself. But what I believe in is evil people. So I feel that evil is human-based, as in there are just rotten, stinking people in the world. <laughs> okay. I so think I think there are people who are just rotten, evil people, and we can't blame it on anything else than they're just rotten, stinking people, like the neighbor who lives across the street from me. Ooh, that slipped right out. Already. Hmm. Although if, if Satan there. was a real person, he would probably look like my neighbor. Oh, my God. Is that your dog, Quentin, that I see? Is that a picture of your like, dog, what, what was that? Mom, if you're seeing oh, his picture, dog. Yeah. Okay, okay. I was gonna say, if you're seeing his dog, like, in person, then Quentin better hide. <laughs> She's out on my back porch peering in the window. Looking in the window. <laughs> Let me in, just like Satan does in the hearts of his people. Satan made me do this. I think it's just there are bad people in the world, but I do believe in, I believe in negative energy that floats out there. Um, so that may be comparable to evil. I feel that there's negative energy that can attach itself to objects and things like that. Mm-hmm. So by um, saying that there's negative energy, so where, the, but where does that energy, that negative energy come from? Does it necessarily come from a human? Yeah, or that, does that come from I mean, people have a supernatural? That could be a being of some sort. But by that statement well, that you made about having it have negative energy, can there be um, a supernatural source of evil? Do you think that there is? Well, I think that a lot of evil on our earthly realm comes from just people, like, putting out negative energy into mm-hmm. the atmosphere or into objects. Okay. Um, but I also feel that on other dimensions, there are other kind of beings, and not mm-hmm. necessarily that they're what we call, quote, quote, evil, like we think of a demon or something that's bad right. and is always bad, but I think they resonate on a lower level than us, and what we might consider negative energy can come off of them and interfere with us. So I do think there's a non-human source for negative energy, yes. Okay. In other words, what you're what you're saying is that basically an entity itself that we may consider evil on its own plane isn't necessarily evil or good. It's yeah. like, and, and where did I read this? I just read this. Um, let's see here. Uh, I think I read it in the idea of. Let's see. Oh yes, um, it's it's actually um, a quote from a portion of the Baha'i faith, which uh, actually a friend of mine is, is involved in. It's very interesting um, faith and very interesting spirituality, and it, it has a really good statement here. I just want to read it to you guys. 
Um, this is actually taken from Wikipedia. Sue me. Go ahead. But I, I do double-check everything with Wiki. Um, the only reason why I keep Wiki up is because it's easier to read laid out. But I do go ahead and cross-check and make sure these are accurate before I bring them online. Uh, it says never – this is a, a you know, this is basically so, kind of me paraphrasing here. Nevertheless, a doubt occurs to the mind that is scorpions and serpents are poisonous, so are they good or evil? For they are existing beings. Yes. Uh, a scorpion is evil in relation to man, and a serpent is, in, is evil in relation to man. But in relation to themselves, they are not evil, for their poison is their weapon, and by their sting they defend themselves. See, what we would perceive as evil as humans, maybe these things that we think are evil are not necessarily evil as themselves because that what we call evil is actually their self-defense system. So for us to say that this entity is evil, that entity is evil, this is sort of, of the devil and that's of the devil, what gives us the right to say that? And I, I apologize if I am mis- misquoting that paragraph. Um, but well, isn't there a, a thing where people believe that there are like two different kinds of angels, one type that likes humans and the other one doesn't like humans, but the one that dislikes humans aren't evil. It's just their personal preference. They don't care for, like if, as we know, I'm not a Christian, so the angel theory I don't subscribe to, but there's a sect of people that believe that there are angels who didn't like that God created this other race, so they don't favor them. They don't do anything nice for them, and they'll toy with them when they want to, but they're not necessarily evil. They're just being themselves. It's interesting because what you're talking about um, was reflected. The idea was actually reflected in a movie that's quite old. My mother's actually familiar with this movie called The Prophecy um, with Christopher Walken, and they depict exactly what you just said. Angels that were warring, warring factions of angels, one good, one supposedly, in our terms, evil. Um, you know, one doesn't necessarily hate humans, but they're not fond of us. But we're of no consequence to them. Rather than just attacking us and making us do evil things, we're of no consequence. We're tools to be used, nothing else. Where the other is there to protect and guide and everything else. So, um, but I suppose I guess, it's like people who like rodents. You know, some keep them as pets and like them, mm-hmm. whereas I don't care for them. I don't want them. You know, some people don't want them in their home. But, you know, you don't hate them. You don't want them exterminated, you know. I know people that do, Mother. Yeah. <gasps> Mark, you're the mouse the radio. <laughs> Don't worry, about half people are agreeing with you. Bye. Huh? No, stay with us. Because my, you and I have had these conversations a billion times. Um, I, I, I guess what a lot of questions for everybody is, you know, what makes people do evil things? What is it that drives this idea of evil in society? Quentin, what are you doing? Oh, I'm sorry. Could you hear that? I could hear that very loudly. Oh. I apologize. I was moving some tinfoil to get at some goodies. Oh. <laughs> I mean, you can't expect me to do a show without a snack. I mean, come on. No, but you should have the snacks earlier. <clears throat> well, no, but you can't hear these. These are quiet snacks. Okay. Except for the tinfoil that they were wrapped in. Okay, okay. <laughs> Don't make me do it. Don't blame me. Wait, 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 wait. What kind of a snack is it, Clinton? Hungarian kipple cookies. 
Gecko cookies? Hung- Hungarian nipple cookies? Kiffle, kiffle cookies. <laughs> <laughs> They're a nice, quiet snack. Oh, you should oh, send me a phone call. Hey, guys, guys. Hey, Mom, let me put you on hold. Let me answer this call, okay? Yeah, okay. Hi, caller. You're on the air with Quentin and Diana on, on your scare. What's your name? Oh, well, I was I was kind of calling to say hi to your mother, actually. <laughs> oh, okay. Let me see if I can get her back on. Marguerite, you've got an admirer. Mom? Yes? Go ahead, caller. Hello? Hey, Marguerite? Yes? How you, how you doing? <laughs> Good. Who is this? This is Neil. <laughs> oh, my Oh, my God, it's my cousin Neil. <laughs> I recognize the number on the switchboard. <laughs> I was listening to the show. I was just getting intrigued by it, and I was kind of hoping that other guy was going to share his goodies. <laughs> I know. You know how I'm doing this? I do. I very often share my goodies, but, you know, <laughs> that's for a different show. I'm, I'm definitely getting off the line now. It's getting a little rough. That's okay, pretty mature. It's okay. Listen, send me some of those cookies. So, Marjorie, when are we going to do a cooking show? Yeah, we have to do a cooking show. Send me some of those cookies. <laughs> she wants me to share my goodies. Send me some of those cookies. Oh, my friend. <laughs> I'm done. I'll baking. send you some nipple cookies. For a while, but send me some of your some of those cookies. Okay. Yeah, sure. Okay. Okay. Well, I won't be making them again until next year. I'm kind of out for this year, but next year. Well, Marguerite, don't forget to call me when you get them. <laughs> hey, you're not far away from me. Well, actually, no, you're still far, I'm closer right? than Diana is. <laughs> really? Yeah, he is, actually. Oh, I think you're about, well, actually, you're about the thing. What part yeah, of Florida where you, do you live in? I live in Ocala, Florida. Ocala? Yeah. Ocala's not that far it's from me. There. I don't no. know where Ocala is. Is it anywhere near Valparaiso? No, it's near, more near Gainesville. Okay, unless, unless Ocala or Georgia or Mississippi is where the devil lives, Diana's going to slap us all. The devil, actually, the actually, devil he Georgia. does live down here. Yeah. <laughs> the devil does That's live down here. The devil lives in Georgia. So what did you tell me? You told me her name before, didn't you? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Doing you know who I'm talking about, Diana. What was that? You know who I'm talking about. Oh, <laughs> shit. Hey, listen, I've, I've, I've got the same cousin who called no. in about her? No, no, no. This is my other cousin, Neil, from Florida. Oh. Yes. Yeah, she's got a lot of family. Who's that far away from me, actually? He has cousins everywhere. Uh-huh, uh-huh. He has cousins. Now if we could just get one into... Out your neck of the holler. 
copyrights to it, and we have a hell of a lot of fun. Absolutely. I think oh, so. I was always, absolutely. I was always the angel. Diane was evil. Okay, maybe. Hey, hey. I don't, but, I don't find that hard to believe. <laughs> hey, we've got natural born chanters in our family. Mom. <laughs> Uh, I have to get off the phone now. <laughs> Come on. We do. We have natural born chanters. I want to kill everyone. Satan is good. Satan is a pal. <laughs> Are we talking about the chanter that you told me about? Yes. You're talking about the chanting, the one I, the one I, sh- I let you listen to? Uh, yeah. Oh, Yes. Oh, yeah. But, yes. Um, we Okay. Okay. Back on topic. Back on topic. <laughs> hey, are you two going to stay? Uh, keep listening in? Absolutely. Okay, cool. I'm going to put you both. I'm going to get you guys. Um, i got to clear off the switchboard. But yep. you guys listen in. If you've got I mean, anything you think of during the show, call right back and I can get you right back on the switchboard again, okay? You got it. Okay, we'll talk to you both later, okay? All right, guys. Okay, we'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye, guys. Bye. Okay, that was awesome. That was so awesome. I will bet you can't hear me eating my snack, can you? I I cannot because nipples don't make noise. But but that was awesome, folks. We had a call call from my awesome cousin, Neil, in Florida, and my mom, Marguerite, in Georgia. So that was a lot of fun. So I'm glad they're listening. Love you both very, very much. You guys are awesome inside of the family. But anyways, uh, yes, we were talking about evil and the idea of evil and where it comes from. Um, depending on what faith you go through or what, you know, system you're, you're working with, um, you know, evil is either directly the, the direct result of a supernatural being such as the devil or Satan, if you believe in the Christian point of view of everything, um, or, you know, you look at things like Buddhism and, and systems like that that say, you know, evil itself is, can be inherent in, you know, in basically human nature and not necessarily a being that causes you to, you know, do evil things. You know, these are conscious choices that we make. So thinking about these two basic ideas, and any, I think any faith you have in the world today is going to come down to either A, it is a supernatural being that causes humans to sin, do evil, create, no, do evil deeds and such, or it is something inherent with the man himself. We manifest this um, of our own choosing. Um, of course, now modern day we have psychology which says that Actually, it's genetic. There's a, there's a, a gene in us that switches on and off, causing us to do these things. Um, I saw a really interesting documentary that showed an, uh, an experiment that a Stanford University did in their psych department of 
uh, prison behavior, and they did a prison experiment. They created a prison um, with prison guards and prisoners, and they created this world where, you know, it was very, very controlled, very tight, um, you know, very close together, uh, you know, tensions were high and everything else. And within a few days, they actually got that prison mindset. And what happened was you saw this this dynamic action taking place, and you saw prisoners trying to fight back guards who, you know, took advantage of the power and became abusive and torturous towards these prisoners, Um, you know, suggesting that humans were placed together in certain situations of power. You know, some of them can actually get into that mode of doing wrong things and taking advantage of this. So if we will inherit in ourselves something we can switch on and off, um, or in fact, is it something that is, you know, manipulating us? Um, you know, I'm not sure if you've read any psychology books or papers or, you know, if you've had any experience with it like that, Quentin, as far as, you know, monitoring or or experimenting with the idea of evil? Um, Well, like I said, you know, I totally believe it comes from people, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I would say it lends to a question of do people put out this evilness or whatever um, intentionally or is it non-intentional? Like, you know, sometimes you do mean things and you didn't mean to do it, you know. Mm-hmm. So it, are these people voluntarily just being mean people? And I used to say that I don't believe in just purely evil slash mean people. Like there's no such thing. Um, but I have really come to learn in life just from monitoring my surroundings that there are people who are purely just, we'll just refer to it as evil, um, that no matter how you bend or flex for them, they will fight you. If they want it to be white, so you make it white, they suddenly want it to be black, and they will fight you at every turn just because they enjoy being mean. Like, (laughs) there's no other explanation than, they enjoy being mean, and uh, I've encountered this lately a lot um, from from a neighbor. No matter what you do, there's no pleasing this person. If you do what they want, they don't want it anymore, and they will fight you on something else. And it makes me think that there are purely evil people in this world. Now, I ask myself, you know, are they this way from a past life experience? Is it genetic? Do they just enjoy it? Are they just sick and twisted? Um, And I spoke with a friend of mine who is a Catholic, so she had voiced her opinion on evil. And Mm -hmm. I said, you know, I said, I understand what she was saying. I said, but I I don't like giving people the cop out of saying, well, you know, oh, they were inhabited by evil from an evil spirit or something. You know, I'm all about giving credit where credit's due. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say that I guess the the best thing uh, I could say is I think that people, some people intentionally just want to be evil. Like there's no other way to, to say it than 
they just enjoy it, you know. Well, is it want to be evil or is it that they feel this uncontrollable urge to do so? Um, serial killers, for instance. Let's touch on this. Um, you know, look at the, the typical MO of a serial killer. You know, these are highly intelligent, highly educated people, um, you know, that for some reason some switch has been flipped in them. And typically since childhood, uh, you know, they say Jeffrey Dahmer started torturing animals and things like that as a very small child. So we see that switch that has been flipped on, that, that, that evil switch, if you will, uh, for lack of a better term, uh, since early childhood, and that simply had been developed throughout their life until it moves on to more heinous crimes, you know, such as murder and uh, what have you. So, you know, can it be something simply genetic in people that they themselves cannot necessarily control, but is very similar to somebody who has um, schizophrenia or somebody who has um, dissociative disorder or any other plethora of of mental illness or mental disease, Um, you know, is it necessarily something they can control or is it something inherent in them, genetic, that pushes them and drives them to do these things? What would you what would be your view on that? Um, if someone has like schizophrenia or something, that's you know, it, to me that's not mean or evil. It's a mental. There's something mentally wrong. It's something that you. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't fix schizophrenia. It doesn't. You know, you can't just fix it. You know, there's Correct. things you can do to, to help, but you cannot totally fix it. And uh, the way I look at it is, people like that. Yeah, they're they're kind of their own category. You can't, you know, you can't punish someone for something they didn't choose to do, you know. Um, so then are these people, like your Jeffrey Dahmers and such, if this is something that they cannot control, if this is something genetic and hereditary um, that is definitely ingrained in their DNA, you know, that makes them evil. Well, I guess, yeah, I guess you could use the word evil if you want to say it's in their DNA, it cannot be helped, it's the way they're going to be. Yeah, I guess you you could say that. That's what evil is, something that cannot be changed. But, um, you know, I look at, I, I think of, like, Truman Capote's In Cold Blood. And uh, he deals with people, you know, criminals, and you you get a little bit of an insight to them, and they they're not total hard people. Most most people that are criminals that committed murders and things like that, you find out that there was a gentle side to them. Like not all of them were torturing animals. Some you know loved animals, cared about children, but something inside of them made them from some mental dilemma made them not care about. The, the whole family that they murdered, you know, they felt bad about it afterwards. They didn't really want to go through with it, but it was their only option. You know, they weren't thinking straight. 
And you find out a lot of them are not just like, let's just kill people. The ones who just go out and do it usually are the nut jobs with a mental disorder. But I guess you could argue anyone who would just kill has a mental disorder. But sometimes, but sometimes you end up with someone who is genius. And I think geniuses are often go crazy. People say, you know, genius is just a hair away from being, you know, a madman. And you look at it. Yeah. And you look at it and you think to yourself, you know, really what I think it is is when you're that intelligent, you, you see through the bubble, like, this conformed society that has come to exist, you know, fighting our animal instincts and things like that, mm-hmm. I think geniuses see through it and think to themselves, why should I conform to this? Like, why is there a society yoke around my neck? And I think that's what a lot of them get to the point of, why I don't care, I'm a genius. Like, they, they see robotic. beyond what, yeah, they see beyond the everyday. Right, right. Well, that would make sense. So, in other words, so it, not necessarily a. Um, you're saying that not necessarily it's not necessarily a mental disorder. It's rather than it being just a conscious, aware decision that they are going to take these peon humans and do what they want with them. Would that not be evil? I guess you could say that. Yeah. You know, my opinion on it, yeah. You know, mean, horrible people. Right, right. Because I think there are just rotten people in this world. And for whatever reason, they become that way. Um, You know, for whatever reason, they become that way, they do. Like, um, I guess if you look at something like, oh, someone who murders but you know, feels no guilt for what they're doing because they have a purpose for it, mm-hmm. they're probably just mean, <laughs> you know, they're but it's cruel. Not mean, but isn't cruelty part of evil? Isn't, isn't cruelty in itself a form of evil? I mean, we can really break this down to the most base. Okay, let me throw one out, Jeff. And, and you, you being the person you are, you're going to love this one. No, if you want to really look at the, the proof of evil and the existence of evil, um, let's look at one of the most, what I consider is one of the top, I would say top five most evil times of our history. Let's look at the Great Inquisition. Well, yeah. You know? Um, um, that is a, and again, when I use the word evil, I, I, to me, I'm referring to negative energy or people who are just negative. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like the Inquisition is a good example because you find people who are killing in the name of their beliefs and basically saying, you're going to believe this or we'll kill you, which it really essentially comes down to a world dominance kind of thing. It's the, you're going to believe it and you're going to be one of us because everyone's going to be like us, um, which if you ask me is, very similar to the Hitler thing, but a lot of people don't like to I was going to say that. that, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Well, I, it's funny. I just had this conversation last night with a friend, and she was talking about, like, Hitler and how he should be burning in hell because he was evil because of what he did and how, 
you know, people like those who flew the planes into the towers on 9-11 were evil. And my response is, she's a Catholic. And I didn't mean to offend her, but I said, well, then by that same, you know, note, you would have to say that those who conducted the Inquisition or burned people alive as heretics or because you were Protestant. I said, every one of those people who were involved in that should be burning in hell right next to Hitler and those who blew up the Twin Towers. I said, because... They all did it under right. the same mindset. Well, exactly, in the name, of, the name of their belief systems, whether that was religious or not, their belief systems. And it's interesting that you say that, that you bring those, those examples up, because just today um, I saw this really great program. It's called, and folks, if you're listening, it's, it's something interesting. I think it's, uh, if you've got Netflix, it's on Netflix. It's called Hellbound. Um, fascinating documentary, fascinating show. Uh, it's about, I think it was a couple hours long, but it's, it was done by I, what I'm assuming he was a Christian, and it was looking at the idea of hell and the idea of evil. And it was interesting because at one point they look at, you know, hell being the punishment for evil, but and you had people saying, there's, well, Hitler should be in hell, Osama bin Laden, all of that should be in hell burning forever, but not me because I'm not a bad person like that. What determines evil in a human? And obviously at that point you're saying, well, these people don't belong to be, no, these people belong in hell, but, but I don't. I should be excluded. Well, <laughs> sorry, bless you. Um, obviously those evils are greater than what you do, but say, you know, you've committed adultery on yourself, um, you know, and things like that. Does that make you less people? Bless you. Thank you. <laughs> because you haven't, you know, mass murdered people? You know, are there different levels of evil? You know, should one evil be excused and one evil not be excused? And it was a really interesting uh, piece because it really shed light on what people's idea of evil is and what they think the punishment should be. And it was funny to me how so many, and like I said, I, I am, I'm just bringing up this documentary, was speaking about um, I in no way or form will ever, ever uh, attack a person's face um, you know, on this radio show at all. And Quentin knows how I feel about that on the radio. I just don't do it. My personal opinions I'll talk about personally between me and myself, my friends and everything, but um, the radio, I, my intention would never be to attack anybody's face. But talking about this documentary, what they had said was that, um, I'm trying to word this in a way that it won't come off as, so they were looking at the way that evangelical Christians today view evil and how they seem to always exclude themselves from that punishment of evil. And it was, it was an interesting concept of people, how people of certain faiths all over the world, all different faiths, view evil, view the um, consequence for evil, and how there's always that element that excludes them from that punishment. So it's just interesting documentary if you want to check it out. It's called Hellbound. Definitely, I mean, regardless of what faith you are, um, it's really interesting and really kind of opens your mind. It makes you think about a lot of different things. So definitely work a check, um, you know, 
look it up on Netflix and uh, give it a watch. It's really good. I'm going to mute myself for just a moment. Oh, are you okay? Okay. <laughs> I was going to say something, but it won't sound good on radio. Um, but yes, uh, you know, let's look at um, let's look at evil as the idea of the devil. Okay, so probably the most. Okay, I'm back. Oh, he's back. Okay. What I was doing I, is I had to blow my nose, and I didn't want everyone to freak, thinking you know, like <laughs> the Queen Mary was coming into harbor. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. But, you know, if, we, uh, if we're going to talk about evil, we have to talk about the most widely accepted worldview of evil, which is <laughs> Satan. Is it Satan? <laughs> is it Satan? Well, the very word Satan itself means adversary, which obviously is opponent. Uh, Satan is the opponent of all things good. Uh, many religions, largely the Christian faith, um, hold... Do you think Satan's friends call him Lucy? I God, I hope not. Because my sister's named Lucy. Blame Hmm, it might. Um, <laughs> but anyways, but you know, I mean, we have to look at the idea of the devil as an actual individual, as seen by many Christians. Their belief is that this individual, the spirit, supernatural being called the devil, comes down and his sole purpose is to drag souls to hell with him. Um, you know, we look at different things like, um, you know, the devil's temptation of Jesus in the New Testament. You know, bow down before me and I'll give you everything you see here. I'll give you all these lands and kingdoms. Um, you know, his sole purpose was to, in the Bible, was to get as many souls from God as he could. Um, how many people in faith so easily say, you know, oh, well, the devil made me do it. Well, the devil's going to make you do this. You know, don't let Satan into your life or don't let Satan into your thoughts. And, and you know, and, I, and I, I've always felt that an idea of an outside source making me do evil things personally was a cop-out. Um, I, I think that notion, and like I said, I, I'm, I'm really not, if I, if I seem like I'm bashing anybody's faith, I, I apologize. Um, but the idea of Satan for me has always been a cop-out. You know, well, it wasn't my fault. I'm not responsible because the devil made me do it. And I'm sure you've had a lot of experience with that one. Well, that's my biggest thing is when people say, oh, well, that person's just evil. Well, then you're making it out that they're inhabited by something or there's something like the devil making them do it. No, I'm more on making them take responsibility for their own actions and not blaming it on invisible forces. Um, I think to myself, you know, I guess I think why... And I think a lot of times when people say someone is evil, they don't necessarily mean, you know, demons or spirits or devils or making them do it, but it still sounds like a cop-out for the person. Um, but I do, like myself, I'll call someone evil, meaning they are just full of hatred and they're rotten to people. Um, but 
I feel like everyone can make an excuse for someone being mean. Like you might be, be able to say, well, when they were a kid, this happened to them, and then their wife left them and did this to them, and then that happened to them, and this. Wouldn't that make you like that, that too? But there are people in the world who has had the worst miseries thrust upon them and managed to still come out being the same kind of nice person they were. You know, mm-hmm. they, they sometimes even come out more gentle in the end because they understand the pain. And... Right. I guess it's people who don't know how to associate with others. I, it's so hard to, to to imagine. I can't imagine being the type of person. And of course, you know, I'm I'm thinking of my neighbor in my head as I say this. I I could not imagine being like that with people all the time, just all the time. Like I'm a pretty friendly person. I let a lot roll off me. You people insult me all the time, and I act as though it never happened. They still get invited to my house, and I'm like, whatever, I'm fine. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think I think you know when, when you're looking at people and their behavior and everything, I, what's, what's always killed me is that you know, you know I grew up, um, I was very fortunate. I had parents who really did allow me to do my own searching spiritually, and um, a lot of people can't say that, and I can, um, you know, but you know. We, we were part of an evangelical church, um, you know, growing up. But I was never forced into that niche. My mother and father never said, you have to do this and that's all there is to it. You know, they always encouraged me to learn to ask questions and things like that. And I'm always grateful for that because, um, you know, it's it's made me the person I am today. Um you know, especially especially my mother. Um, and if she's still listening, yes, Mom. Um, but what's always gotten me is that, um, you know, people growing up around me, I, I've always heard people around me saying things like, you know, um, you know, you're an evil person if you don't become this faith or that faith or you don't follow, you know, the Savior or that you know, it doesn't matter what you do. That doesn't matter. That means nothing. All that matters is that you believe. And I don't agree with that. I think it is what you do. I think you can belong to any faith you want. You can read any religious book you want, whether it be the Bible, the Quran, the Torah. You can read anything you want, and you can pray all day long. You can, you know, you can, you know, be as, whatever it is you want to be, as spiritually as you want to be, but if have a good character, if you are not kind to people, if you don't have compassion, if you don't see, you know, if, if you see someone who needs a little bit of help and you know you can help and you're right there and you don't help, to me that matters. To me it is absolutely what you do for others in this world. It is how you present yourself to others. It is the kind smile you give a stranger. It's not turning people away because you think they, you know, they're not as good as you. To me, it is our character um, that matters in life. And I know this is getting a little off topic. I'm, I'm you know, I'm typically the, top, the topic Nazi. 
But, and I think this is where a lot of followers of certain faiths get off, kind of get off base there. And what happens is they're so caught up with trying to put themselves out as the most spiritual and the holiest, the most righteous and everything else, that they don't even realize that they're being condescending. They're acting superior. They're becoming shallow. Uh, they're teaching their children to be that way. They're, they're raising their family that way because, you know, it, it, it's all about, you know, it's all about the prize. It's not about goodness of character. And I think that's where a lot of people get off base. And to me, saying something like, well, how you are to others and what your character is like, your personal character and everything else, doesn't matter. That means absolutely nothing. All that matters is that you believe, and if you believe, you're good to go. Don't worry about it. To me, that's evil because we have to have character. We have to have compassion. We have to, you know, you know, driving down the road, it starts pouring rain. You see an elderly man walking along the side of the road, and you have nowhere to go, nowhere to be. You know, maybe pull that car over and see if he needs a ride. Your act of kindness could be the difference between him giving up all hope and not. If you see a stranger and you catch their eye, give them a smile. You know, whether they're tattooed, pierced up, they look like the lizard man, it doesn't matter. Give them a smile. Show them kindness because you might be the difference between that person going back home that day and killing themselves or not. And I think this, these simple little acts of kindness and compassion are what drives us as humans, what should drive us as humans. And I think it's these things, these acts, that banish evil as much as anything else does. Does that make sense? <clears throat> yeah, I know. I, I hear what you're saying. Um, you know, I... I can't say that I could ever, I just can't understand people who are just mean. <laughs> I don't understand mean people. I, I don't understand, especially people who are mean to animals. That is something that, I mean, sometimes being mean to people, <clears throat> they almost deserve it. You know, like, you, a person may have done something to push you over the limit. You know what I mean? Everyone has a breaking point. But with animals... I mean, animals love so unconditionally and would never hurt you just just to hurt you. And people say, well, you could get attacked by a dog. Well, if a dog is trained to be aggressive, that's not its fault. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, the owner, if an owner does that, that's, you know, the owner's fault. Um, but I could never imagine just, like, being mean to an animal. It's like... People who fling animals out into the cold, <laughs> and I think you know who I'm referring to. Um, oh yes. Who who at the same time refer to themselves as a good person or a good Christian, and well, I'll, I'll be open about it. I had a friend who I'm no longer friends with, who who flung five defenseless animals out on a November night in you know Michigan. So it's very cold. It was pouring rain. Um, these animals, these cats were declawed. 
Uh, she threw them out, and I got into a fight with her because she'd been making jokes about doing it, and I said, if you are going to do this, please let me know, and I will take them and find them homes. Well, she finally tells me that she, she had done it. Well, the cats managed to hide under something near her house, and two went to a no-kill shelter where they started at, and I took the other three, one going to a neighbor, and I still have the other two. Um, and when I argued with the person, telling them what a terrible person they were, well, she clutched her Bible and told me that she's a good Christian, and I don't know anything about it because I'm not a Christian, so I don't know what being a good person is. You know, and she informed me of how she has morals and how animals do not have souls, so they have, hence they have no emotions. And I said, first off, animals have a soul. Second off, they do have emotions. I said... You know, be mean to a dog and notice it, it, it'll have an emotional reaction. And this person said, no, they don't. And I got into a fight with her, and she said, you're one of those freaks who puts animals before people. I said, first off, I'm putting animals on the same level as I treat a person, and if I do treat an animal better than a person, it's because an animal is a sweet creature. It, it, it has not done anything to hurt you. You know, if the dog pees on the carpet, you may take it as he did it on purpose. Animals don't do that. They're not, they're not like that. We may take it as, oh, he broke my favorite vase. How dare he? He's going to be punished for it. We didn't do it on purpose. And she acted just nutty about it and uh, told me what a sick person I am. And her husband ganged up on me that I'm a terrible person because I, I choose animals over people. I put animals first. And they said, well, of course I'm going to put animals first. They don't act like you. That is my idea of an evil person. Someone who does something evil and then promotes that they are moral and that the reason it's okay for them to do it is their religious belief says animals have no soul and no emotions and it doesn't matter what happens to them. That, to me, is the pure definition of evil. And I really hope this girl happens to tune in, which she never does. But if she does, I want her to know you are the poster child for evil. Sorry, I got on a tangent there. <laughs> the poster child for evil. Wow. Being worse mm-hmm. than Hitler. You know, at least with Hitler, I think he had a mental disorder. <laughs> I know. I don't think Hitler's funny. I'm sorry. Um, but she ranks right up there with him. Wow. Well, she is, she, if she had the power to do what he did, she would do it. She's made those comments before that she would exterminate races of people. Really? Oh, yeah. If she had the same power that Hitler had, people would beg for Hitler over her. Hitler was a cakewalk compared to this person. Friends are not friends anymore. Well, what I do with folks... um, what I've done is if you go to the uh, our Facebook page, Stackhouse Radio, you'll see the links up for that movie. Um, don't confuse it in with the other links for the horror films below, um, but this is definitely one you're going to want to check out if you – it doesn't well, matter what we – Oh, go ahead. Sorry, I thought you were done. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, no. It doesn't matter what faith we belong to or what faith system or what spirituality you, know, you belong to. It really doesn't. It's just it's really worth – a look. It's intelligently done. Um, I can guarantee you it's probably going to piss a lot of people off, but you know what? Um, it, it's done in a very good way, and I think you'd be pleasantly surprised. Um, so go ahead and give it a watch. Go ahead, Quentin. What were you saying? 
I was going to say, I realize we're down to, what, three and a half minutes left here, and <clears throat> we didn't so get to talk a lot about to, um, We are down to an hour and three minutes left. Oh, are I we doing a two-hour tonight? I ran us, well, I ran us for two hours, just in case. Oh, okay. I was I was going to bring up a, mm-hmm. a, a closing topic, but if we're if we're doing a two hour, okay. Well, let's plug it now. Let's plug it now. Why not? Um, oh, okay. So, um, I was going to say we didn't talk about um, a lot about no. um, uh, serial killers and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, truly understand if they're evil. Is it a mental disorder? Like we were kind of talking about earlier. I would really suggest the, the best place to kind of understand that is to get into the mind of a killer. And um, it just so happens that we're going to be bringing that to you next week. That's right. Um, next week we have a fabulous guest. I know we we're talking about tonight, today's show. Uh, tonight's show is about um, evil. Uh, the idea is evil, place in humanity, place in the world, and everything else. Um, but we did speak about serial killers and uh, this country actually has a very famous one. And I'm talking Jeff Dahmer and all those people. I mean, we have, you know, our very first serial killer, H.H. H. Holmes. And if any of you have ever done any kind of, you know, research on serial killers, you'll know he was the one that was famous around the time of the, um, the World Fair, the Chicago's World Fair. Well, we are honored enough here at Stackhouse Radio's On Air Scare to have H.H. Holmes' great-great-grandson, Jeff Mudgett, on our show next week discussing his ancestry and his relations, or his relation to H.H. Holmes and to discuss a book he's written about it called Bloodstains. Um, I'm reading the book. It's fascinating. It's, I mean, it's chilling, bone-chilling. Um, it really gives you a different view if you really want to see evil, if you really want to see it personified, um, this is your chance. It truly is um, to be able to get as close to this famous, this infamous man, I should say, <clears throat> as you know, physically possible today um, by getting to talk to and listen to Je- uh, Jeff Mudgett's story. Um, I'm in one what- of What turned us on really to this was um, the subject that the possibility, Mm -hmm. um, the possibility of H. H. Holmes being also Jack the Ripper. Right. And this sends us on to Jeff's book, and I'm so thankful that he's going to come on the show. Um, But there was a question I asked him. Um, He might be able to confirm or deny it a little more. Um, off the top of his head, I asked him online one day, uh, I live in a town, I'm not going to say where, in Michigan, and there was a, a, a fake story made about A.J. H. Holmes living here during those missing years at one point, and uh, it was made up for a local haunted house, and those of you who don't know, his real last name was Mudgett, and his great-great-grandson, Jeff Mudgett, and I asked him, I said, did he ever live in blah, 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 the town I lived in? And he said, I think so, yeah, I think he did. Um, now, again, that was off the top of his head, and he was going to look a little more to confirm that for me. So it, he may have, may be, may not be, but it seemed as though he, he did. And it's really strange because there was already this fake story about him living here. And the house across the street from me, when it was built, I guess, was called the Mudget House. Yeah, so that's kind of interesting. 
Cool. Well, what I'm doing now is I'm putting up a link onto our page uh, to Jeff Mudge's book page, his book page for Bloodstains. Um, check it out. Read it. Uh, if you're going to be, if you're going to join us on the show next week, um, definitely give the book a read. It's really, it's really creepy. It is. The story's amazing. Um, his experiences of going through this research and learning about this. His, I mean, his, the transition he goes through just by delving into this history is is amazing. Um, so please check it out. It's really good. I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. Um, and I, I, I know there is something else um, I want to. Uh, but yes, uh, so join us next week um, as we have Jeff Mudgeon on. Uh, just an early plug. We'll plug him. We're going to plug the show next week at the end of the show as well. Um, but just to let you know that the link is up on the Stackhouse Radio page on Facebook uh, to his book. So you can go to his, his webpage for the book on Kindle um, and paperback. I believe it's available and everything else. So uh, there's all different formats you can actually get his book uh, through. It's definitely worth the read. I think you're really going to enjoy it. Um, and just, you know, getting back to our, our topic tonight, though, there's so much we can talk about with this topic. And what led me, if people would, you know, probably ask, well, why this topic? What led you to pick this topic? Well, <sighs> I'm not necessarily going to say what it was that made me pick this topic tonight, but those Certain people do know what what caused me to pick it, um, and and I, I think human behavior is probably is, is that the best answer, Quentin? Because you know why we chose it, right? Our discussion about you know the uh huh uh huh the chanters. Oh yes, I know, I know. Yes, human behavior, and I, and I think sometimes we just you know I, I see things and hear things and. It just makes me kind of fall back into my chair and go, what? Did you really just do that? Did you really just say that? Did you really just, you know, did that really just happen? And it just made me think that, you know, it might be worth talking about. Um, you know, with the idea, and this is why I love bringing people, you know, we obviously, you know, it's hard to look at things like evil and, and not bring up religion. It's hard. You really kind of, once you talk about evil, religion automatically comes into play. And, you know, it, it, the history of the church itself, um, I'm not talking all, all branches of it, you know, Catholic, Evangelical, Protestant, uh, Presbyterian, whatever, all, all facets of the church have this idea of evil. And as a separate, unique individual, but there are other faiths that would say, you know, when you talk of evil, you know, a lot of faiths would bring up the idea of God. And, yes, that's extremely controversial, but think about it. You know, a lot of faiths would say that you cannot have the existence of evil unless you have the existence of good. You cannot have the existence of good unless you have the existence of evil because how do you know the difference between the two? Without suffering, there is no happiness. You know, we cannot know that, that moment of happiness until we have known suffering because it is the suffering that allows us to cherish the happiness. So 
I think that when you deal with things like evil and you deal with the subject of evil, you also have to deal with that dichotomy, that, that duality of good and evil. You know, God as, you know, loving and kind and nurturing and everything, and God as punisher and, you know, the slayer of cities and children and women and everything else. Um, we see God in the Bible, in the Old Testament, slaughtering cities. You know, and at the same time, we see him healing people. So I think if you're talking about evil ever in, in a religious viewpoint, you really have to ask yourself, you know, can you escape that idea of that duality that exists, you know, within God himself? Too controversial? Is it too controversial? Um, as far as God being both good and evil. Um, I don't think it's too controversial, but you know others will. Like I said, you know, it's not about attacking religion. It's just about pointing theories out there. And, and I think that's a legitimate one. I think it is. You have a lot of kids out there that, that look at, you know, a supreme being as both good and evil having size, a yin and a yang, a, a black and a white, a good and a bad, a night and day, you know, even even your faith has mm-hmm. the dark and the light, correct? Um, yeah, to a to a different, you know, to a slightly different extent than, mm-hmm. than the normal religion. I Obviously, than Christianity, yeah. yes. <clears throat> so can we, not, and the question to ask is, can we as humans you know, I'm trying to ask this in a way that's intelligent, but can we as humans, you know, perhaps evil is a necessity. We talk about the necessary evil, that, that, that we use that phrase, necessary evil. Is evil in a way, in and of itself, necessary for humans to experience? Is it necessary for us to see evil deeds and evil doings? Because through these, through us seeing this evil and experiencing this evil, isn't that the way we recognize good? Because when it's, it's like anything else, and I know in, in Buddhism they say that, you know, suffering is guaranteed and happiness is a gift because without suffering we cannot know happiness. Is it the same with evil? Without evil, how would we be able to know and decipher good? So perhaps evil is necessary for humans to live with and deal with in order that we can know good and know the difference and know how to work that. Hmm? Hmm. Wrap your noodle on that one. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's a, that was a corkscrew. <laughs> <laughs> think about it. Um, think about it. How would you know day if you didn't see night? Well, yeah, Exactly. I mean, and, and I've heard things similar where, you know, you, you cannot have good without evil. You cannot have, you know, if you only had good, you wouldn't, you wouldn't have good then. You have, to, you have to have one to have the other. And, you yeah. know, it's the saying of you have to have darkness for there to be light. Mm-hmm. You know, with, without darkness, you cannot have the light. Right. You know, it's, it's the yin and yang. It's the can't have one without the other. You know, it's a bit mm-hmm. like love and marriage, love and marriage. Can't have one with you. <laughs> like a horse and carriage. 
<laughs> you don't know what to do to um, take Bundy. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it's essentially you, it, it's the yin and yang thing. You you can't have, one one needs the other to exist. Mm-hmm. And that's how I've always seen things in life. You know, you have to have that duality. You have to have that balance. Uh, you well, know, if you I, look at, go ahead. Well, if you look at our world, everything is an opposite. There is no I mean, for every for everything filling a space, there is a space to be filled. Um, plants and animals come in male and female. Um, for lightness, there is dark. For cold, there is heat. There's everything's a, a, an exact opposite. And that is what balances our universe. And I was reading a great article today all about, you know, uh, about afterlife and consciousness on a spirit or on a science, excuse me, on a scientific <laughs> level. Um, you know, essentially what, how it works. And there's a lot of science, and, and it basically comes down to our universe balances itself. It wouldn't have lasted as long as it has if it didn't have a balancing system. You know, it's not just haphazardly working out all the time. Ecosystems don't just haphazardly work out. It, it, the, the natural flow is for things to balance out. And to do that, you must have things on both sides of the scale. And I, I agree with so that. So without evil, to if we took evil out completely, there was no evil, the scale would tip over. Mm-hmm. then the whole system would go out of whack. I agree with that. You know, yeah. I do. Um, it took a long way getting to that. <laughs> no, no, but it's right. I mean, there there is a balance to everything. And, you know, I, I, I mean, I think without that balance, I think the world really would go awry. Um, you know, obviously my views of, you know, things are a little different than a lot of people and yours are as well, and I'm sure everybody has their own opinions of it. Um, I just think it's an interesting topic, and I and I, you know, I think it fits in as a good segue to next week's show as well. Um, but it just gives you some ideas of, of things to think about. Uh, you know, as humans, um, I think it gives us, it, it makes us take a pause in our own life and look at what our motivations are and look, make us look at how we treat others and, you know, what have you. And I think, you know, like I said, my view is, you know, you can believe anything you want. You can go to church ten times a week. You can be in the choir. You can be in this. You can be in that. I mean, it doesn't matter. If you do not reflect kindness and compassion to others, and that includes family. And to me, your family, I mean, how you treat your family is a direct, you know, reflection of how, you know, you treat others. Um, you know, it, it's how you act. It's your character. It is how, it is, it is the things you do. And I, I've heard people say to me, well, you know, you know it, it's, you know, it's all about belief. You know, I, I think the Bible actually has passages that says faith without works is dead, which to me says it is what you do. It is, in fact, how you act, how you treat people, you know, directly. 
regardless of what you believe. You know, well, yeah. Um, yeah. I've had people say things like, well, you know, you know, all those Buddhists are running people, but it's just too bad they're going to hell because they didn't believe. Well, I don't believe that. I don't believe anybody has the right to say anything like that. I don't believe, no, who are you as a human to be the determiner of who does what and who gets consequence for what and who is evil and who is not? I don't think anyone human has the right or the power to state that this one's evil or that one's evil or this is evil and that's evil. I don't think any human has that authority. And I think if a human thinks they have that authority, well, I think they've got another thing coming to them. Um, well, you know, I've uh, uh, you're kind of talking on the judging thing. And it was funny, the conversation I had last night with a friend led to judging. Mm-hmm. And my friend said, you know, when it says you know, that you shouldn't judge, it doesn't necessarily mean not to judge. And I said, well, you know, as I'm, you know, from a different religion, I'm going to obviously have different stands on that. But it's, um, to me, it's saying, she goes, well, you know, like what if someone commits a murder or does this or that or does this horrible stuff or abandons their children? And I said, it's the human nature to judge someone on the inside. Like you're mentally, it's, it's animal instincts to judge your surroundings and those around you. So you're, Instantly going to judge that person to some extent. Criminal acts, and, and they pull that out. You can't. You can, that's a criminal act. A criminal act against another is different. If I am if I am violating your way of life or your health or your well-being or something that is directly affecting you for actions that I've done, that is different. Now you are affecting the life and well-being and health of another person, another human being. That well, that is I felt as though to say that you won't judge means when someone abandons their children or does something, without knowing why, do not judge that person. Do not just say, well, this is why. You, you, you know, walk a mile in their moccasins, you know, mm-hmm. and find out why. Because she, she referred to, you know, what if someone did something bad like left their kids on, you know, on a curb someplace. And I said, yeah, you shouldn't do that. It's bad. It's going to affect them. But what if you had a nervous breakdown? You're not really in control anymore. You know, it's, I said, I'm not defending what they did. What I'm saying is don't judge that they did something bad until you know that they intentionally did it, you know. Well, you you have to, you have to address the crime. And we have laws in society to keep us humane. So you have to address the crime. You have to have a consequence for crimes that are against human nature or, or against a human's well-being. Those are crimes. I think what it is is saying, you know, as an individual, it's, it's tough. It's really, it's really, I mean, it's a sensory device. It really is. Um, to sit there and say, well, you know, she's just a horrible person for doing that. Did she commit a crime according to society's laws? Yes, abandonment is neglecting your children. Abandonment is against the law. Fine, there's a consequence to that law. But, you know, do we know what drove her to that? And I think that's what it means. You know, don't be so quick to think you know what drove them to that. Don't think you're so quick to know what that person's about. You know, we we spoke one time about a, a woman who had killed her baby. And I said, of course, it's gruesome, it's terrible. She killed a child, you know, it's, it's wrong. Mm-hmm. But the details were brought up. It was a big case, and 
they said how the man, the guy, had run off on her. And I thought, well, she was probably someone who was emotionally or mentally unstable or fragile. And to suddenly destroy that person's world, people snap. And it's not like, oh, they were so angry they snapped, because a lot of people relate snapping to being angry. They snapped as in they mentally couldn't process all of the, the disaster happening in their life. And essentially, it's like a nervous breakdown. Something pops, and part of your brain just almost like shuts down. You become almost, you're no longer responsible insane. for your own actions. You mean temporarily insane? Yeah. Essentially, yeah. Like you just kind of lose it. And, you know, I know this poor woman, you know, who killed her baby, and I thought, well, that's terrible, and something needs to be done about it. But, you know, when, when you go insane and off the deep end, you know, when, when you are not capable of, you know, when, when it's not you who just says, oh, I'm just going to kill my kid today because I want to kill my kid, you know, you've, you've got to have some sort of sympathy on this person and say, how can you put them in jail and punish them for the next 45 years for something they didn't just consciously sit down and say, you're going to kill my baby today, you know? Well, I mean, there you're getting, it's a really fine line. I mean, it is murder. The crime has to be addressed. A human life was taken. There is a consequence for that. I think what the, you know, judge not lest you be judged is more of a, you know, yes, she has to face the crime she committed. Yes, she has to, you know, civilly pay for that crime, whether it be jail or institutionalization. But I think what it is is, you know, don't be so quick to judge her soul because we don't know. You know, don't look at that person with hatred because of what they've done. You know, yes, their crime, their sin, their evil may have been horrid. But unless you are without any of that in your life, you have no right to place spiritual judgment. That is for their maker. And I think if you read the context of the scriptures, I think that is what they were talking about is spiritual judgment. You know, saying, well, she killed her baby and I hate her. I don't care. She's evil. She's this and that. You know, what gives us the right as humans looking for first at the situation? And I, I think, you know, you know, you're right in the respect of nobody knows what she's gone through. She could have been already mentally fragile. That could have made her snap. Um, you know, why do people, why do people commit suicide? Because mentally and emotionally, they've snapped. They've just come to a conclusion that there's nothing else that they can take. You know, the human mind is a very complex and very fragile thing. And we don't understand. This is why, you know, when we talk in the context of evil, we really have to look at the psychological side of it because I, I believe that there is, we all have that switch, we all have that capability of doing heinous things, committing heinous crimes. We all do. I mean, there have been tons of situations where we see people, you know, in certain, you know, in, in certain unfortunate situations that become animalistic. They will do things, anything they have to do to survive pull them out of that situation into regular society, and we see them, you know, 
perhaps never thinking about asking like that. So we, I think we all have that inherent ability to do that, to have that happen to us. Every single one of us does. Um, to assume that one person is more evil than anyone else because they've done it. I think that in itself is, I, I don't think we should be so quick to judge in that term. Um, obviously, you commit a crime, you need to pay the consequences. That is, that's your civil responsibility. You know, you, you can't commit a crime against another human being, pay for it. Well, then I come into things like, what about crimes that people thought they were doing the right thing? You know, it's like they don't see it as a crime. I'll use, of course, Hitler? prime example, Hitler. Yeah, he, mm-hmm. he didn't see that he was doing something bad. He didn't think he was doing mean, negative things. He thought, as, no. I'm fixing, I'm fixing mm-hmm. a problem. You know, he was doing good in his mind. And I don't want anything out of him defending Hitler, but I'm playing devil's advocate here for him in the, in the idea that this is the way these people are thinking. He's right. seeing it as, I'm going to fix Germany, and this is the problem, and I'm going to fix it, and everyone's going to love me for it. You know, it was like John Wilkes Booth foresaw that the South was oppressed by Abraham Lincoln, and in his mind, he thought, well, by killing Abraham Lincoln, I am removing, removing the suffering of an entire culture of people. So he saw it as essentially, he, he thought as, I'm going to kill this one person to end the suffering of thousands, just like in the Civil War. Northern soldiers, and this kind of gets into the argument of what was the Civil War over, but after 1863, when the Emancipation Proclamation was signed, and they began getting more, more soldiers into the war because they kept saying, well, it's, now it's to free the slaves. Well, anyone who said, I'm going off to war to free the slaves and killed another person to free a slave, you committed murder, but doing it because you think you're doing it for the right reason. Well, it's like the Crusades. Look at the Crusades. You know, killing in the name of God. You know, is, is, is murder or are the Inquisition? You know, is murdering somebody that you've deemed evil in the name of God any less murder? Hmm. You know what I'm saying? Well, you know, it's like, um, it's, it's like it, saying... That gets onto a really, really slippery moral code there. I mean, we can, we can go to, to, you can go to so many aspects of that. I mean... You know, you look at something like the Inquisition and, and to be on safer ground here, if you know what I mean. You look at something well, yeah, like the Inquisition. I, yeah. Which I think is a better example um, because it, 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 it is such a large part of world history. Um, you know, you have priests that were interrogating women largely and and you know, healers and, and midwives and things, you know, what they thought was, you know, to save their souls. So, you know, the church may say, well, you know, these men were doing this to save the souls of these women. But murdering them in the name of God doesn't make it any less murder. And Well, you know, it's like when, it's like the death sentence um, there's a lot of controversy over that, you know. Yes, is. is killing a person who killed a person the way to balance that? You know, are you now just killing someone and now you think it's okay because 
you're essentially committing murder, but it's okay that you're committing murder. It would be like saying, well, Johnny here robbed a bank when he was 20, so now that he's 45 and he made his million selling a book about his younger years, we're going to go rob his house, and there's no punishment to be done to us because he did wrong before us, so it's okay. Like, it's, you know what I'm saying? It's just because, you know, is an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, is that the way to live? Okay, I'm going to be honest with you. As a human being, as somebody who is is fallible, who is absolutely, you know, I've done bad things in my life. I'm probably still going to do bad things in my life. I'm going to be the first one to say where, you know, if if some if I came home and you know found my family slaughtered, you know what? Can I be honest with you? Yes, I'm gonna want blood. Is that the dark part of humanity? Is that the evil part of humanity? Killing in the name of justice. I'll be honest with you. If it's my family, I'll guarantee you I'm gonna want blood. Does that make me right? Not necessarily. It doesn't. Am I going to probably care at that point if it's right or wrong? Probably not. Um, well, and, and I definitely it, understand it's hard, that. It's, it's just hard the idea say, that... Yeah, it's hard to say. It's hard to talk... It's hard for people to talk wanna, about the death penalty until something happens to them and their family. But what is the difference if, okay, say you come home and you see this person has murdered your family and you one day decide you're going to go and kill them and get payback. You're going they to stab that day. person to death. You will now be in jail, for, mm-hmm. and they're going to be questioning giving you the death penalty because mm-hmm. you committed a murder. But yeah. really, if they had given them the death penalty, Aren't it would be the same as like some, if the person was sitting on death row and you got a visitation with them and you stabbed them, you've now committed murder. But yet, the law was about to have them killed and it wasn't considered a murder. So what yeah. is the difference between you that seeking vengeance and killing and the, the, the law saying we'll seek vengeance and kill them? There's really no difference, you know? There isn't, it, it, except for the fact that it's sanctioned. I think, you know, having it sanctioned by the laws is the only difference there. But you're right. Essentially, it is the same thing um, between a family member seeking their own vengeance or the law going through due process, giving the person a fair trial, having them convicted, and sentenced to death. You know, it, it's, it's the, the idea that every human has the right to a fair trial. Um, in this country, anyways, every, every citizen has the right to a fair trial. Um, procedurally. You know, and like, you know, I don't, I don't get into discussions about with people, I don't get into debates about the death penalty because, honestly, you know, I can't say that, I mean, if someone walked down the street and shot my husband in the head and killed him, honestly, I would want nothing less than that person's blood. I'll tell you right now that's how I'd react. I know for a fact that's how I'd react. You know, you take the life of my of my nephews, I'll kill you myself. And well, that's what, that's what I, I mean by say it. that as a human, but that is that was my instinct, my my protective instinct. That it's would, essentially you're committing the the same crime, but yeah. you're doing it for what you consider the right reason, that it's an okay reason to do it. And whether it is or isn't, everyone could claim the same thing. Well, I had a good reason. Well, not everyone, but most people could claim, well, I had a good reason. But it's funny how the law doesn't look at good reason unless it reflects on the law itself. 
Yeah. So, like, if you said, I'm going to kill this guy because he killed my friend, yeah, by right, yeah. But maybe he killed your friend because your friend, let's say, I don't know, say your friend had a girlfriend and he cheated on the girlfriend. Well, now the girlfriend's brother comes and kills him for it. He had his good reason for doing it. Just as now you're going to have your good reason for killing him back. So in I the end... going to have the reason to kill me. Well, yeah, so then it's like, where does it stop, and who is actually right, and who is actually wrong? And There's really here. no, like we were talking about earlier, with the balance, the yin and yang. Right. What's good, what's evil? Like, you can't, is one the other, and the other one is, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and this is because why you're I doing good. And, and talks like that, you know, with the with death it's really hard to say, you know, it's really hard to defend things like that, because unless you've been in the situation, it's hard to say what you would do. But you're right, you know, there's always going to be someone thinks, you know, if I kill someone who killed my family member, then their family member can come and kill me, and it'll go on and on and on and on and on. And everybody will feel justified. So you're right, you know, this is where we have to have that balance. Uh, I mean, we're not going to, look, I don't want to get into talking about the death penalty. That has nothing to do with, um, <laughs> that's way too slippery of a slope. I mean, we can go on and on about that. Um but I know what you mean, though. You know, you know, killing for or, or committing a crime or doing evil in the name of something good, does that make it any less evil? And I think that's what the question that we're asking, correct? Yeah, that's where, that's where it started before it slid downhill. Does doing it's evil the, in the name of good yeah. make it any less evil? No. I don't and then people will say, oh, well, their idea of what they were doing as good was wrong. Well, mm-hmm. that's not, how, how can you say maybe you're wrong? And, and we kind of get into this enigma kind of situation or a catch-22 where it's, well, you're similar to the example. I'm, I, I could think, yeah, he was wrong for doing that. That's terrible. You know, he deserves punishment, you know. But then at the same time, people who believed him and followed him, again, I'm not defending him, they're going to say, well, I think he was right. And I'm going to say, well, that, he really didn't have a good reason for doing it. He just thought he did. Well, people could say, well, no, that's just your opinion. And it's true. Everything comes down to an opinion. And you look at it and you say, well, yeah, he probably thought he – I mean, no, I, I don't think people like that. I don't think they go out saying, oh, I'm going to do the evilest thing on earth. They're, usually when they get that fevered about it, they think I'm saving people, I'm helping people. It would be like if someone said to me, oh, my God, Quentin, this guy across the street, I swear to God, this, okay, I'm not going to use that as an example. Okay, if someone said to me, oh, my gosh, Clinton, there's this guy in town, and he's, he's got this person, and he beats them, and he whips them daily, and I went in there, and I killed the guy, and I set the people free that he was, you know, starving and whipping and beating in his basement. Well, I just committed murder. Oh, well, I had a good reason for it. Mm-hmm. But then others might say, well, there was other ways to handle that. You know what I mean? Everyone's going to have an opinion on it. They and are. the problem is when you get people who are dead set on their opinion. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, no one else can have an opinion. Like, there are people in this world who think Hitler thought he was being helpful. And they're entitled to that opinion. They don't have to see it my way that he was wrong. Right. right. Most people see it. Um, well, okay, here's one. Here's one to think about. A lot of people of certain faiths believe in angels. The angels are here, and they, and they pray to the angels, though. The angels protect us and help us and watch us. 
and they treat their angels like their own little personal bodyguards or servants or, you know, oh, I'm just going to place my angels and do this, and, you know, well, no, I'm going to have my little angel do this, and they, and they treat them like a little pet that follows them around to, to you know, um, do their bidding. And they look at these things as, you know, these good, wonderful beings of God, and they're full of love, and they're, they're sending us messages from God, and they're twirling their little harps and everything else. But, you know, all those people that look at God, angels of God as, as these wonderful, good beings, you know, I wonder if any of them have actually thoroughly read the Bible, all the books, not just the ones that were in the Bible today that the church voted on, the Mycenaean Creed, and they, was it the Council of Nicaea, where they voted on yep. the, was it the Council of Nicaea, correct, where they voted on yep. which books were going to be put in the Bible and which ones were not. Uh, sorry, folks, but the Bible you're reading today, unless it has, <laughs> the Bible itself was never the Bible, it was just a stack of scrolls. Um, so, you know, there's debate on, you know, what the Bible is. But if you read the Bible, as a church has it today, and you really read about angels, I mean, when God wanted to destroy a city, kill, I mean, and when he destroyed a city, no one was left alive. Children, livestock, nothing. So you think about this. God sends his angels to do all this. His angels were sent to slaughter women and children. So, does God himself have a dark side? Does he have that side of him that humans could look at and say, well, that was an evil thing to do? If God is loved, then he wouldn't have killed them. But obviously, he had these people killed, so there's a part of him that doesn't love. There's a part of him that disliked these people so badly that he killed them. Look at the flood. Look at the flood of Noah. God destroyed the earth and its inhabitants because of his own creation. So he killed it, except for two of every animal in Noah's family. He killed his creation. So, you know, people who look who are who belong to certain faiths, they look at this duality. You know, can you is it possible to, to read the Bible thoroughly and not see that duality of God, not see that part of him that is darker or evil? You know, can we say that, you know, there are two sides of one coin? Well, <clears throat> I guess I look at it and I say, you know, that oh, crap! I lost what I was about to say. And I know that's not your religion, but I'm just saying. But you know, obviously, it's one of the largest world religions, so you know, it, it is significant. Um, I think everyone is a little bit evil. I do too. Um, Absolutely, and, I think it's and not human. and not in the sense that they're trying to be. I think it's. Everyone does things feeling that they're doing something good or doing something right, while to someone else it's harming and mm-hmm. it's evil to them. It's just nothing in this world is good or evil, black or white. Everything is really gray. So no one is really just good or just evil because no matter how good you're being or what good stuff you're doing to someone else, it's wrong. So 
it's rather than saying there's one side or the other side, there's no side. It's just one thing. You know what I'm saying? Right. I think everyone is gray. Well, it's like it's like you know it's like when you your faith magic, you know think about it. Um, you know magic is neither good nor bad. It's in the user. Well, it's, it's like the person I just. Well, yeah, yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. It's like the person I described with the the cat situation. Yeah, I think she's evil, but to her, in her mind, and to her husband, they're good people. They didn't do anything wrong. Right. Yeah, I think they were wrong, and society as a majority think they were wrong, but. There's no one, there's no way in the world to dictate exactly what is good and what is evil. You know what I mean? Right. Like someone might say, oh, well, look at Mother Teresa. She's good. She was good. She had no evil at all. Well, let's get down to it. I'm sure there are things that in her life she did doing good, and someone can say, oh, well, that was bad. You know, there are times that we do things intentionally to be mean, but I don't think that's evil, that's rage. That's animal instinct. Okay, how about this one here? Princess Diana goes down the street, and please, you know, I, I, hate, the, I hate being compared to her. Princess Diana goes right down the street and her boyfriend gets smashed up in a car and dies. Mother Teresa dies within, what, a few days, was it, honey? I think so, yeah. That week. Did anybody hear about Mother Teresa? No. Did anyone give a crap about Mother Teresa? No. Was Princess Diana... Well, I remember, I remember hearing quite a bit about it. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, and, and I think also it's what humans today hold as valuable, you know, has changed. Um, I think our, our moral code as humans has changed. And I think, and look at, I mean, look at what we, we hold as, as idols, as, as models, as role models and, 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 you know, mentors. You know, people are more obsessed about, more worried about, you know, what the Kardashians are naming their kids rather than, you know, are, are, you know, men and women being killed overseas. I mean, you don't hear about that, but you hear about stupid celebrities and reality stars and everything else. I mean, personally, I don't give a crap what's happening on Duck Dynasty. There are more pressing things happening in this world. Than Duck Dynasty. Please, don't even get me started. You know, and I, I, think, I think people's moral codes have changed today. And I think... As our moral code gets shallower and shallower and shallower, we really lose our we really lose touch of, of that balance of good and evil. And I really truly believe that. Think about it. I mean, think about it. You know, think about the way humanity is going. Think about and you know me, I'm no prude. But you know <laughs> look, but I'm saying, but look at television today. Look at what's being said to the children today. Look at what our youth is being raised on. Look at the morals our, our youth is being, is being fed, the ideas of what they have to be, what they should be. You know, look at their role models. When I was eight, nine years old, you know who my role model was? Indiana Jones. Mm. Well, I you know, Indiana Catherine, Hepburn wants, Catherine Hepburn wants summed this all up. Mm-hmm. And I think she said it beautifully. Catherine Hepburn was essentially an atheist, and um, they said, do you, what do you think happens when we die? And her response is, 
I think we just go into the ground, which I don't agree with. But whatever. She thought, okay, we go into the ground, and that's it. We finally just rest. Mm-hmm. And she said, nobody is perfect. She said, you know, she was, I believe in, in, what did she say? She said, I believe in the perfectness of Christ. And most people hear that and go, oh, okay, good, she believes in Jesus. That's not what she's saying. As most educated people know, Christ does not refer to one person. Christ essentially is referring to the, the perfect one. You know, she's saying, I believe in the perfectness of Christ. She's not saying, I believe in Jesus Christ, the Savior. So some people understood what she was saying, and other people just heard Christ and took it, took it like a cracker and crunched on it, you know. Um, but to get to the part that she sums up, um, she says, I don't believe that a religion should di- dictate your morals. And this is how I feel. And I think when you get down to good versus evil, whatever, whatever, religion should not dictate your morals. If you need someone else to tell you, and if you need a law, a book, anything like that to tell you, as Catherine Hepburn puts it, you are defective. She said if someone or a book or something needs to tell you morals, you're defective or broken in some way. She said because without religion, man still knows what's right or wrong because... When you do something good for your fellow man, it makes you feel good. You feel good about it. She goes, and when you do something to be mean to someone else, you lay awake at night feeling crummy about it. Down to it is basically your character. It's the things you do, how you treat others, and how you act towards your fellow human being. It really is about your works and how you act as a human being. That's what it comes down to. It really does. It doesn't come down to faith. It comes down to your actions. And I firmly believe that. Um, It's funny because, you know, you have so many people out there that are blinded by that. And, you know, I, I I think as humans, personally, I think we're losing our balance of that. Um, I think we're becoming a very selfish, a very selfish society. I think we're losing touch of, you know, caring for our fellow man. And you know, are just losing touch of what we used to be as humans. You know what I'm saying? We become a very base, very shallow society. We're concerned yeah. with, you know, me, 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 me. I mean, than anybody well, else. You know, anything else. The same way Catherine Hepburn does. It's just the natural instinct in everyone. If you do something nice for someone, you feel good. If you do something bad, you feel bad. And then you come to the question of, well, yeah, maybe what if kicking someone is what I think is good? Well, as she said, if you don't know the difference, then you are defective in some way. There's something wrong with you. And that's where we get down to anyone who can feel good about doing intentionally mean things, intentionally hurting someone, and feeling that that's a good thing, they're you're broken in some way. And that's the way I guess we look at it. Um, what is good and what is evil? Evil really is you're broken. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it could be like you're a broken toy. You do it wrong. <laughs> so we've got a hell of a lot of broken toys in this world. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> we are down to our last 15 minutes here, so we're going to go ahead and wrap this up, folks. Um, next week, please join us here on Blog Talk Radio at... Um, Stackhouse Radio on Air Skier. We have the great, great grandson of H.H. Holmes, America's first serial killer, um, on our show with us next week. His book is called Bloodstains, 
if you're listening to the show and you know, give us we're gonna give a shout out to our archive listeners. If you're listening on the archive, thank you so much. You guys do make a very big difference, so we appreciate it. Um, if you're on, if you're listening to the show either in the archives or live, you already are on our blog talk radio st- our page. Go to our links. We have links to our Facebook page, Stackhouse Radio. If you hit that Stackhouse Radio page link, um, please give us a like if you haven't already. We appreciate all the likes we can get. Um, the page on Facebook is still kind of newer. It's, it's been around for a few months. But, you know, it's still kind of building momentum there, but we're posting everything up on that page now. Um, you will have the link to his book, Bloodstains, on there. Uh, please check it out. Please read it. It's a great book. It really is very eye-opening and very chilling at the same time. It's definitely a good book to read with like a flashlight under the covers, you know, kind of hidden out. It, it's really one of those kind of good reads. Uh, so please check it out. Join us next week for Jeff Mudgett, uh, an amazing guest. Uh, I know this is a really great um, opportunity for us. It's an honor for us to have him on the show next week. So we'll be posting that up. Also, you know, go to our Stackhouse radio page on Facebook. Check out our links. Uh, check out the movie Hellbound, what I was talking about earlier. I think you're really going to enjoy it. I mean, you're either really going to hate it or enjoy it. So either way, it is controversial. Um, a lot of those, you know, a lot of people who are, uh, it's just, it's interesting. It's definitely worth it. Now, I'm, I'm not a very religious person. I'm, you know, I consider myself a seeker for whatever that may be. But check out Hellbound. If you have Netflix, it's on Netflix. Really good. Um, really kind of fits in with tonight's show. Uh, but anyways, uh, join us next Wednesday. Next Wednesday we'll be here at 8 p.m. Central, 9 p.m. Eastern, uh, to host Jeff Mudgett again, the author of Bloodstains. He is the great, great grandson of H.H. H. Holmes, and he'll be here with us next week. So please don't miss out on that. Uh, again, thank you for joining us tonight. We'd like to thank my cousin Neil and my mother, Marguerite, for joining us on uh, live tonight. That was a really nice treat. And Quentin, um, any shout-outs you want to give? I do. Uh, well, thank you to all those who are here. Thank you for the archive listeners. Thank you for our friends who called in tonight. Uh, thank you so much for next week, Jeff Mudgett, who's going to be with us. Mm-hmm. Um, I also want to do a quick shout-out uh, from last week as well. I did it. Uh, to an Etsy store. If you're familiar with Etsy, E-T-S-Y dot com, there's a seller on there, uh, and her store name is Design by Andra, Designed by Andra, A-N-D-R-A. It's all one word. Uh, And she's a friend of ours. She makes great homemade products. She told me that the views on her page jumped up after last week. So those of you who are looking, please uh, go back, look some more. Those who haven't been there yet, Designs by Andra. Please check it out. And, of course, my final thanks and shout-out is, Diana, thank you for tonight. Had a great time. Loved the topic. And I'm looking forward to next week. I am, too. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be really great. So, um, Quentin, I will see you. I will be back with you next week. And all of you listeners out there, we will see you again next week, hopefully, uh, right here at Stackhouse Radio's On Air Scare. So, until next week, have a good night.